Welcome to From the BLN, the Burnley podcast. Uh, something a little different this week with the Clarets off, or quite a few Clarets off on international duty. Uh, just myself and, uh, and Paul Woodhouse for this opening section. Uh, but we have got one or two special interviews and we're, we're going to try and shine a light on a couple of other areas of Burnley Football Club and, uh, and some initiatives that are happening. And um, First off, we've got an interview with uh, Rebecca Savuk, who is the uh, Burnley FC women's manager. Uh, very, very impressive interview with with her um, and her ambitions and things like that. And then after that, we'll have an interview with Nathan Norris, um, who is the food bank manager for Burnley FC in the community, who's going to chat to us a little bit about a very special event that's happening at Turf Moor on Saturday. Uh, but before we get into that, Woody, um, we, we talked about international break. I think you'll probably share my view that the international breaks are just a little bit dull. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if you have the same view of international football as I do, but um, <laughs> we we have got a couple of you know quite a few clarets away on international duty. And as we record this, um, something that has been very rare for anybody in a claret and blue shirt: two wins um, <laughs> last night, Thursday mm-hmm. night, uh, Friday night. Nope. Wednesday night, there we go, yeah. finally get it right. Go. I can never get the, yeah. the days right. Um, Amin Aldekiel, first start for Belgium, 1-0 win for, for the Red Devils over Serbia. Uh, and Zeki Amdouni, uh, also a 1-0 winner, uh, playing 70 minutes against Israel. Um, it, it does show, doesn't it, that these players are, um, I don't want to say capable of putting in performances, because that sounds a bit rude, but it, it's, it's a timely confidence boost, let's say. You'd, you'd, you'd like to hope so, wouldn't you? You know, and besides it, you know, being a, a, a time little booster and putting in decent performances, it's nice that the uh, keel can actually manage a, a clean sheet. So that must be uh, even even more impressive for the lad because Serbia are no complete pushovers, are they? So I'm assuming that he put in a, a reasonable shift. I didn't see it myself, but uh, I'm assuming he put in a shift. Which yeah, is good and that's. Yeah, you mentioned you know, clean sheets, which have been extremely difficult to come by. I think uh, only um, Aaron Murich actually has a clean sheet in a Burnley mm-hmm. shirt this year in the Cup. Um, two clean sheets, I think. Um, but it is, you know, as you say, it's um, it, it's good because he had a torrid time, didn't he? I mean, he's he's missed the last couple of games. Uh, we suspect it's, you know, been rested, as they say. But um, it, it does just kind of, you know, a bit of a fresh... I don't know, environment, going out there. He'll obviously come back, hopefully, uh, with his tail up, having made his first start for the Belgian national side. Um, and, and the same for Amdouni. I mean, we we talked, didn't we, about Amdouni? You mm-hmm. know, I think you made the point that, you know, sometimes you forget for 40 minutes that he's even playing and then he'll do something. I know the club put out that, that highlight reel consisting of the single highlight of him turning away <laughs> from three or four Arsenal players. Um 
But again, you know, he's playing at international level. Israel, you know, not big names at all on the international football circuit. But again, international football just brings a different perspective for these players, doesn't it? Absolutely. And <clears throat> I mean, between obviously the Keel's clean sheet and Murich's clean sheet as well, which I'm sure people start scrambling oh, yeah. for yet again to get him included. It's nice to see that these young lads aren't just being uh, recognised and being thrown in there just in dead rubbers. They're obviously going in to make a, a difference, etc., and, and and performing whilst they're doing it. And so that's extremely nice to see. Definitely. Um, talking of wins, um, one team within the Burnley FC setup that isn't struggling for wins is the women's team. Uh, they are currently top of uh, of their league, the third tier of the women's pyramid. Um, unbeaten thus far. Um, I think they've only dropped points in two of their league games. Um, we've got a chat coming up with uh, with Rebecca uh, Stavu. Um it is really impressive, isn't it, what we've seen from the women's team over the last couple of years. You know, since Alan Pace and ALK came in with this vision of, you know, perfectionising the women's team, we had two promotions on the bounce under Matt B, finished third in that division last year. Um, and this year, you know, through to the next round of the FA Cup, uh, the FA Women's Cup, I should say, top of the league unbeaten. It's quite refreshing, isn't it, when we sit here whinging every week about the men's team not being able to, you know, get a point, let alone a win, to mm -hmm. see the women's team thriving. Exactly. No, it's definitely it's definitely nice to see at least somebody in a in a claret shirt or a, a claret side still continuing to tear up uh, a few blades of grass. And it sounds from what and from what I've seen, uh, only highlights, etc. They look to be a, an exceptional little outfit, quietly away. And uh, I think we may need to watch them a little bit more closely just to remind ourselves how Burnley can actually turn a side over every now and again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned the playing style. I think, you know, one of the things that comes through in the, the chat we had with Rebecca is is just how they're shaping every aspect of it. I mean, she was, she was telling us, um, you know, new staff coming in, the access they've got. She has an office at the training ground. Her and her team have an office at the training ground. Um, and the brand of football is is really, really pleasing to see. You know, it's fantastic. And, you know, we know where you are in America. The, the women's game, you know, is arguably and has been yeah. for quite a while bigger than the men's game. Mm -hmm. um, but we're starting to see, you know, down at Leyland, down at the county ground at Leyland, lots and lots of young girls and, and, and you know, and boys as well being inspired to play football. I know I've got friends whose little girls, you know, love to go and kind of watch the, the women play down at Leyland and their little lads as well. You know, it, it, it kind of, it serves as something to be really aspirational, doesn't it, for young girls to, to be able to, to play in the same shirts, the same colours mm -hmm. as their idols that perhaps their dad started watching many, many years ago. Yeah, and it's an interesting point you make about, you know, the women's game over here in the US. Obviously, when I moved over here in about 2004, 2006, or whatever, the predominant entry point to soccer was the women's game over here. So you'd talk to parents, etc., and the way that they got involved with football was because their daughters, as much as anybody, had, had got them into it. They were playing in, in, in college and university, Etc. So the uh, so the, the 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 women's game felt a lot infinitely more advanced than it did in or does in the UK, and it just starts to feel a little bit uh, now that we've 
playing catch up and it's being taken infinitely more with infinite more respect than obviously it used to back in the day, which I think is is great to see, all told. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we're still riding the, the crest of the wave of the Lionesses success, yep. which is uh, which is fantastic. Um, so we've got that interview with Rebecca coming up. And then uh, after the kind of second break, if you will, um, we'll also have an interview with Nathan Norris, who's the food bank manager for, for Burnley FC in the community. They've got an event um, on Saturday at Turf Moor in the fan zone with quite a few uh, well-known TikTokers. I mean, they must be well-known because even I've heard of them. Um, but they're aiming to to collect as many donations of, of food parcels and, and meals as they can. It's going to be a kind of world record attempt. Um, would it, it shouldn't be up to football clubs to provide meals via food banks but we know from the stats that have come out from the Burnley Food Bank and the Burnley FC and the Community Food Bank over the last couple of years they really are providing such an important service for for struggling families in in East Lancashire it's 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 kind of quite heartwarming as well as kind of maddening that football clubs have to do it but it's heartwarming to see isn't it Mm -hmm. I think you've hit the nail on 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 the head there how disappointing it is that this has to be done, but it's also extremely uh, heartwarming and encouraging that it is still being done and that there are clubs within communities reaching out and being able to do this kind of thing with food banks or whatever other uh, charities are required at the community level. So it's quite heartening. Yeah, and this particular event is is um, uh, it's a guy called Max McCann who I actually follow on TikTok. Um, I, Justin had said this kind of thing is uh, he always terms it as not for people like him, but uh, Max <laughs> McCann, Maxi as he goes by, um, basically he says he wrote to every football club in the UK that he could think of, and only Burnley FC came back to him. He kind of pitched this idea of you know filling a, a facility within the club mm-hmm. with food. Um, He's got a couple of these, you know, other TikTok stars coming down, lots of other stuff going on, which we'll find out about from Nathan. But um, again, we are all me, the Simon, Chris and Justin of a certain age, shall we mm-hmm. say. Uh, I should put a disclaimer in that I am considerably younger than the, the lot. Yes, of you are, aren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, but it shows the kind of power of TikTok and, you know, social media. And, you know, while old farts like us kind of whinge about the good old days of, pen and paper and things it does show that actually community projects and football clubs getting involved with these so-called influencers can have a real positive effect can't it yeah i think it's something that we don't quite appreciate as old as old farts don't quite appreciate the reach and the change in media generally in regards to more social media and uh youtube etc and you know the the fact that they have this reach and it's infinitely more extensive than even good old good old days standard media outreach is very impressive and we could probably learn a thing or two uh from some of these buggers definitely definitely i think that's uh that's kind of setting us up to start some kind of weird transatlantic burnley pendle dance craze on tiktok that's going to become the next gangnam style um i could Otherwise just see Sam. Northern soul, is that what you're saying yeah yeah could, yeah, could well be yeah. yeah yeah that'd be ideal wouldn't it yeah. um yeah. we're gonna leave it there because you don't need to listen to us two old farts as we so eloquently put it um after the break you'll hear from uh, Rivette, uh rebecca Savuk, the manager of burnley fc women's team uh, and then after that you will hear about uh this massive 
um, event, this world record attempt at Turf Moor from Nathan Norris. Um, there's no debrief on Monday, of course, because we've nothing to debrief. Um, I'm sure, you know, yeah, you probably could do with a rest of uh, a rest from us kind of whinging about another Burnley defeat. But we will be back next Friday um, with our usual upbeat, cheery preview show ahead of the West Ham game. Uh, but enjoy the interviews uh, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much and up the clarets. So, Bex, do you want to just kind of run us through where the expectations were pre-season? I mean, the, the team finished third last year. It's been an incredible start. Where where are you in your kind of expectations versus reality, do you think, this season? Um, where were we at the start of the, the year? I think when we came together really early on uh, in the building, players, staff, um, ownership, the directive here was was pretty clear and we felt everybody was aligned and the ambition in this building is is to get promoted that's that's where we want to be we want to be a championship team um and i think our start to the season has been really positive and that's be, that's um the culmination of a lot of hard work from a lot of people players um staff backroom team ownership um, and, and Lola as head of uh, women's football here, it's a, it's a culmination of a lot of people's hard work and relentlessness behind the scenes. And I think we've put in some really good performances and performances um, are going to have that impact on us picking up wins and points. And uh, for me personally, I, I try really hard not to look at that league table. I'll, I'll take a look at that in, in Jan and, and start to think about where we are then. Yeah. And you mentioned the kind of everything together, the ownership. I mean, since... Alan Pace and ALK came in. It's been a big ambition of theirs to to professionalise the women's team and to take it to that new level. And it's been brought into the club. I mean, everyone's got their own social media channels, but there's a real feeling that the the, the women's team is just as important as the men's team. I can see you sat in an office at the uh, with a, a, a tactics board behind you. Do you get that sense that it's not just lip service? There's a real ambition for this club to be one club, whether it's the men's team, the under-18s, the under-23s, the women's team. Is is that the feeling from, from you and the girls? Yeah, I think Alan's vision here transcends him as a person. So I can feel that through the conversations I have with his leadership team. There feels like a huge amount of alignment and interest there so you know we'll see him around the training ground I think he's um, been into some of our analysis meetings this year as well himself personally which wow. is amazing right um, and then we've had a, a couple of of um, the owners you know travel you know Mike traveled all the way up to, to Newcastle away for the, the that wow. game uh, we've had uh, and some of the others have come down to, to Leyland at home games this year um, if they're not at games, they'll be knocking on the office here. So the women have got um, an office in a space at the, the men's training ground. So we're all under one one roof here and they'll knock on and they'll want to talk football. They'll want to ask um, how people are, what, how the games are, or how are you doing, Bex? Is, you know, just general check-ins, which is, which is amazing at, at that level. Um, in terms of in this building, we get a huge amount of support uh from let's say the first team space so Vinny himself has been in and spoken to the players he opens doors to us as staff in terms of his environment he often has um 
consultants in who specialize in a variety of different pockets of, of knowledge and he'll introduce us to them and then we'll have conversations about what's going on in our environment like via extension of Vinnie just being a really good person and opening the door to, to us and, and and their expertise so we get huge amount of support there um because I sometimes think support can be misconstrued in just like financial resource and backing yeah. right which which that has gradually um you know it's improved year on year here yeah um, but the support is way beyond that. It's like genuine interest, genuine care uh, and genuine support. And we can all feel that in the building here. And um, I can feel a real integration as well between us and the academy. So we get a lot of operational support from from Connor, who works in the academy here. Um, you know, Thea works uh, for the academy herself in the operations department here and, and she plays for us. Uh, and and look, we've had coaches from the academy come down to training and, and support with sessions or uh, I've had analysts do pockets of work from the academy a, a, as well. So in this moment is is very well integrated and it is aligned. Um, and uh, I've worked at a few clubs and it's not always the case. It's it can't be taken for granted that. And, and that's why I think Burnley is is a really special club to be a part of. Yeah, I was going to mention kind of your background because I think you were you were last at Loughborough, which of course is for for pretty much every other sport apart from football. Although women's football, I think, is slightly different, is seen as the kind of gold standard, isn't it? I mean, I've done bits of work down there for sports aid, the charity, and things, and it's it's that kind of prestigious, almost the closest we've got to a university-style system that you get in America. What yeah. made you want to leave there? and come to Burnley how did that kind of conversation come about I mean I can you know essentially a third tier women's team that what was the attraction was it everything you've just mentioned the, the thought that everything is starting to be integrated the vision of the owners the vision of Alan Pace how, just give me a bit of an insight into what how those conversations went and what what kind of made you decide that this was something that you wanted to take on as a challenge yeah, I think that's a really good question. So first and foremost, when I think about any role, especially after some of my early experiences of, of management and um, being at a variety of different clubs, the values and the infrastructure have got to align with, with things that I um, care about and think are important. And I think there have been a few examples of perhaps clubs that might say they would do something but then when you're in the building perhaps the lack of support is a bit more visible or the infrastructure isn't quite what you thought it was and the size of the project is a lot bigger than you think it is from the outside um and Loughborough I felt was really well aligned with with me as a person and my skill set and they strive what does Loughborough represent it's it's about excellence it's about one percent it's about providing um, young, talented human beings with an opportunity to study and be a part of a sport ecosystem. And I just thought it would be a really good fit for me. So I went there and had some really good leadership experiences, managing people, learning about high-performance sports. So so what are rugby doing? What is the Boxing Centre of Excellence doing? What um, is Loughborough Lightning netball team doing? You know, I, I had such a good exposure to a multi-sport a multi-sport high-performance environment where 
there were lots of talented individuals. So it's not just on and off the pitch, but it was talented performance analysts or talented um, commercial uh, expertise. So it was a real good experience for me there. And then the opportunity came came up with Burnley and Lola and I had had a conversation and I'd connected with Lola at a couple of the women's national league meetings during my time um, when I was in post at, at, at Loughborough. And I don't think, you know, we didn't really know much about each other in, in those moments. And you end up sat, I think I sat next to her actually at a meeting and um, we both go in casual clothes to these meetings. You wouldn't see us yeah, in yeah. brand kit, you know, so oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And, and we got on well there. Um, mutual respect, I think, from the off and when she connected with me to have a conversation about this role, I think the number one contributing factor to me coming was was probably Lola. Do you know her yeah. personality, her ambition, her vision for the football club, the way she conducts herself? Um, and I wanted to work for somebody like her. I thought yeah. I would be very well looked after here. Um, and via extension of her is is you know the board, the vision, the the people that you know Burnley employ here. Um, and I've had a lot of positive experiences with with a lot of the staff and, and people in in the building here. Loads and loads of good, good, good people. Um, and yeah, that's that's how I really ended up here. And I, I, I'm glad, you know, I'm I'm glad. Look, I, I and I openly said this to um, to Lola. I love my time at Loughborough, and I wouldn't change a single thing about it. However, this role at Burnley was too good to turn down, yeah. and I've enjoyed. Do you know, I can honestly say, like, I love this job. And I think that's pretty rare. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think we had Lola on the podcast earlier in the year and my, my colleague Simon interviewed her and we we kind of sat around listening to the transcript, listening to the tape afterwards and we were just impressed. Every time you hear her speak, her vision is is fantastic and um, I fully get that why you would want to align with a vision like that. Now, you mentioned the kind of Loughborough experience and, and kind of leaning on or, or leaning into, I should say, kind of, you know, what's the Boxing Centre of Excellence doing, what the netball team doing? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's kind of how a, a club like Burnley will build the women's side of the game? I mean, I think, you know, in terms of foot, men's football as we know it, we've had analysts coming out of our ears for years and years and years. And some managers will look outside. I know Sean Dyche, um, the former Burnley boss, when he was doing his coaching, went and studied the boat race team at Cambridge, I think it was. So he got outside his comfort zone. But it feels like within the women's game, there's so much more openness to looking beyond. And I guess I know Vincent Company does that and, and he looks beyond and things like that. Do you think that's important for the development of the women's game, not just in Burnley, but across the UK as we try and grow the sport to a level where you know it's at now, but beyond that? Yeah, I think so. I think um, generally speaking, there's a women's football community and there's a good network of people that are rooting for each other to do well. So, for example, in this league, um, I'll, I'll keep in contact with a number of different managers in the north, um, and we'll have regular phone calls and you know week in week out, which is great. Uh, aside to that, there's a lot we we are learning every day from the the boys academy here, or uh, the men's team, the the staff set, the expertise that we've got in this building, right? And then beyond that, we've got the multi-sport layers. So I think one of the things that both Lola and I are really passionate about is creating a high-performance environment here at Burnley, um, where realistic 
and we have to be patient and it's got to be gradual. I think it's very difficult to overnight go from um, amateur to part-time, part-time to hybrid, hybrid um, to full-time. And probably the best example of a club that's done that in the last five years is Southampton Women. I thought that their strategic plan for the progress and sustainability of that model has been exceptional and, and they're flying in the championship right now. And we want to pull from good practice like that in the women's game and and help grow grow this project into a into a high performance space. And we've recruited a lot of staff this year since you know I've I've been here. I've got um two new coaching assistants that help me on the grass. So there's three of us. We've got a new goalkeeping coach. We've got, we've just appointed a, a performance analyst. Um, we're looking to recruit, you know, operations executive. Um, we're looking to put in S&C. We've got psychologist, we've got a nutritionist. And all of this infrastructure just takes a long time to, to build, but ultimately it will give us that high performance space that that we want here and and that's um attributed down to the level of investment and, and backing that we have and it enables us to to grow into those pockets and i think when we get our staffing set you know we can then look to to open out and, and go and educate ourselves from uh multi-sport multi-sports areas and, and what we can can learn from good practice in in other disciplines because that's ultimately what what we want to do. We want to be the best version of ourselves, and and that definitely for for me is is looking outside of football and thinking very differently about it because we often think about football in a very uh, traditional way. So absolutely, diversity is is key. Yeah, you mentioned kind of an influx of staff. There's also been an influx of players, and it feels like you know some of the signings that are coming in some of the kind of dual registrations with man city and things like that it feels like you've got a real vision of you know a bit like vinny's done bringing in kind of certain types of players players who you know are going to be good around the group got a bit of experience perhaps at a higher level um mm -hmm. as well what kind of you know is I don't want to say is it job done in terms of the playing squad I'm guessing you're always looking for opportunities but do you see it as kind of a evolution rather than revolution when it comes to the playing side of the the team yeah I think so I think this has been a project in terms of ascendancy for a number of years right so Matt B did a did a great job I think um he got back-to-back -back promotions, right? So incredible job, started off the journey for, for this football club. And then Jono and Jay equally um, moved it forward in their own way um, in terms of playing style or players or pockets of knowledge that they had from the game that I can feel now has been, you know, that the football club now has benefited from from having both of those individuals here. Um, and now I'm I'm here and work, work with Lola, um, I would say we, we have conversations about AR squad and B recruitment probably weekly. And that's, that's the reality. So you're always looking at um, who do we have, who's doing well, um, who needs minutes, who might benefit from a loan, who is currently on loan and, and doing well. Do we need to look at the footage? Do we need to touch base with, with that manager who's overseeing the development in that space? Um, but in terms of our recruitment, so I've got here, we've, you know, Kirsty Lavelle is a is a top goalkeeper that came in in the summer and is a fantastic professional. You know, drives and raise standards uh, weekly here. 
Then we brought in Michaela Wildgoose, Northern Ireland under 19 international, just turned 18. So a huge, bright, bright future can grow with us. Um, Gracie Pryor from Man City is just one of the most exciting up and coming talents in the country. She will play for England, I think, and she will play for Man City first team. That's how good she wow. is. Um, then we've got, uh, we've got, well, is a bit of an exclusive, but signed um, Naomi Hartley. So we brought her in from Chef. She's X-Man United. So that will come out um, probably in the next couple of weeks. But she's coming back from an injury. And I think she's played 50 or 60 times in the championship already at 21. Yeah. So fantastic person and and player. We Alethea Paul um, probably needs no introduction to, yeah, to Burnley yeah. fans, you know, great person club captain here and is is leading the team on and off the pitch in an exemplary way i think she's already got she started every game for for me yeah. um two opposition player of the games and and i think she's got two goals to her name already this year from fullback which is pretty pretty impressive we signed lois marley england under 19s yeah. we got isabel uh, reedford from man united rima lord mears from chef Brenna McPartland signed from Sunderland, a fantastic um, player who, for me, is just getting better and better each week. And I think she's got to be odds on for a, probably a, a national call up soon. So probably watch that space. I think, but then we're seeing, you know, like alongside in the top line there. So I'm looking like Lizzie, Leah, Amaya, Kelly, Elford, Priestley are all like Burnley mainstays from yeah, last yeah. season. And I'm going. Amy Kelly, as an example, has really showed a huge amount of mature, maturity and growth this year and is absolutely flying. And same for someone like um, Jeremiah Coleman-Evans, a bit of a start stop last season and this season is just confident and flying and adding so much value. And then you've got, you know, Leah Embley, homegrown Burnley girl who is just a dream to work with, quite frankly. You know, the most professional, hardworking person. Um always does extras, always is in for one-to-ones, is always in early, is always yeah. the first one in the gym. You know, you couldn't ask for a better human being to have in the building. So we are really lucky with this squad that that we've got here. So obviously the ambition is to be a championship club. We've yeah. just been talking there, you've, you've rattled off the names of, of players, some young players who you feel will really go on and, and kind of play for the national teams at various yeah. levels. Do you think that you, you you know part of it is yeah getting promotion, but also part of it is building a reputation as a club where Super League teams, if touch wood when we get into the Championship, may then look at Burnley as a really good developing ground for some of their young players that are just on the fringe, who are probably ready for Championship football but not Super League football yet. Do you see that as another facet of what you're trying to do? Build Burnley as as or build a reputation of Burnley as a place where young girls can come and develop and then perhaps go back to their parent clubs and go on and play for the first team, go on and play for their international teams and things like that? Yeah, I think so. I think um, one of the things we talk about in this building is, you know, being the best version of you. So we're currently going through a process where every player here gets a personal development plan um, and we're starting to create those uh, so there's like the psychology piece, the nutrition piece, your performance analysis, statistical profile, your tech, your tack. Yeah. And it takes time to develop yeah. what does that look like linked to the DNA and 
we had to develop a, a way of playing here. And anyone who's seen us play this year knows our possession base play is, is probably the best in the league. You know, if you're coming here, we're going to have a lot of the ball. Yeah. And, um, you know, teams have come off this year and gone, wow, not only was that physically hard, it was mentally hard yeah. like, to keep concentration for, for 90 minutes against you guys. Um, so with those plans, we're able to support players individually as, as part of uh, the team here. And I think myself, Robbo and Tom pride ourselves on on being good coaches and good developers. We've all worked with senior senior players, but equally have worked in those youth development spaces. So yeah. that's I'd back us to to do both of those things well. We've got a real variety of, of experience uh, and know-how and our skill sets complement each other really well. And I think getting in um, Lois and Gracie from Man City and Bell uh, from United is, is probably a testament to say, like, it's already, it's already happening. Do you know the brand and what those clubs see in us to you know because ultimately we're entrusted to develop their best young talents their brightest yeah. um players of the future and and look both um jane ludlow and, and neil's the sporting director at man city came down so they you know in order to have a good look at us and, and ash as well from city come down for the day spent time with staff they were in the analysis meetings they were on the pitch they were getting wow. you know so that we've been fully vetted for for want of a better way of thinking about it because it has to be right for both um they've got to to trust us to to um develop those players and yeah. and vice versa so that i think it's already happening but when we get to the championship and it is a when it's not an if i i don't i don't feel yeah. that energy here i i just think it's a matter of time now um clubs will give us a different type of player you know, it'll yeah. be um, it just open the door to to a, a more probably a, a more technically proficient footballer and maybe somebody who's at a slightly different stage in their development journey. Yeah. Um, but I think the facilities we have here at the training ground and the support staff will mean that players do want to come here because not yeah. yes, you're going to play, but but B, you'll leave better than when you entered this building. And that's that's what we want to be known for. We want to actually develop players and, and make them better. And if you left here and you went on and got a pro at a championship club or a super league club, that's 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 job done, really. Or yeah, yeah. Um, if somebody got so let's take we got uh, Maria Francis Jones from Chef uh, in the summer and she got her first ever Wales senior call up. So she went with the senior team, didn't she, if, uh, yeah. about about two weeks ago. So that's what we want to be known for is like helping players achieve their goals and, and dreams. And and that's that's as good as to me as, you know, winning the league. Yeah, definitely. No, I 100% agree on that. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Leyland. I think there's a little bit of, there's an, obviously an ambition to bring the team closer to, mm -hmm. uh, to, um, to, to Burnley and I, I know it's kind of something that is being discussed and things like that and there's you know there's no easy fix is there a, a frustration that perhaps being out in Leyland restricts the kind of impact you can have on you know young girls children I know kind of you know lots of young girls and parents who take their girls to watch you in Leyland but is there a, a slight frustration I'm not being critical of the club here because it's out of their control that there's not a facility closer where 
you know, people could come down and see, you know, what is a brilliant brand of football? You know, I watch quite a few of the bits on games on TikTok and, and things like that. And there is a, a really exciting brand of football that, you know, um, will inspire girls. Is there a bit of a frustration that you are playing out in Leyland and, you know, there's not a chance to kind of get down Burnley and, and play somewhere a bit closer? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I'd use the word frustration. So I would say when when we've been to Leyland, the facility is excellent. So, yeah. you know, the uh, the spaces that we have available for match briefings, the changing rooms, the staff, the food, pitch surface is, is um, already of an excellent level. So that's the benefit of of being there that the trade-off with that decision is it's it's not in Burnley right and when I look into the crowds and I see the young girls and 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 boys uh getting all the players autographs and jumping up and down and cheering them I would love more people from Burnley to be able to have that experience I'd love the players um to be able to engage with the community of Burnley a little more because when I go out and I speak to people in the town or go into the schools, I can feel the warmth yeah. from the people of Burnley. So that's the bit that is a little bit sad. It's just that we cannot connect with the town as much as we all want to, because I know, um, you know, I'll drive in and the security guards here are so passionate about Burnley women. So they want to know, you know, how did we do? Or I know this, or I'm, I saw this game or, you know, we'll get a text from Kev, our facilities manager. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm bringing my daughter today and, you know, everyone's bought in and they want to come. And I, I think if we found a facility that had Leyland's excellent standards in Burnley or we were able to um, invest in something, which is not, that's not a short-term thing. You know, that would no. have to be something over, what, the next five years if we're being realistic that would just mean that people could access and be a part of it in terms of that real community feel and inspiring the next generation of footballers or um, making Burnley town proud, which I think, and I would like to hope that the people of Burnley feel that, that we are and um, they know how much we value and appreciate them and, and their support. And I hope we are doing them proud. And that's why I'd love for them to be able to connect with us a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it goes without saying, I think, you know, everybody I see on social media is talking about the success you have in this season, the success we had last season. You mentioned Matt and his kind of two promotions. You know, I think there's been that gen, you know, that that real kind of progression in that. Um, final question before I let you go, because I know you've got to get out on the grass. Um, we obviously had the game at Turf Moor. The first time we had a game at Turf Moor, incredible turnout. Yeah. I'm not expecting you to give anything away, but nod, nod, <laughs> wink, wink. Is there going to be another Turf Moor game this season, do we think? Honestly, I can't answer that with any certainty. Um, but what I would be able to speak to is if there is an opportunity to to do that, like fixture scheduling allow, um, and if a number of other things uh, line up, I know how important that day was for for lots of people. And I think walking around the offices at Turf Moor and understanding what that game and that opportunity meant for women in the building and women at the football club. And so many years of hard work went into that one, one day, by the way, I'd, I'm sure people would replicate that if we felt we could. 
Um, so I can't say with any certainty, like December the 10th is booked in and signed off because we don't have any hard dates in the diary. Um, but it is something that is spoken about a lot in terms of internal internal conversations and, and meetings. And I'd like to think if there was an opportunity to do that, we would move to do it. Um, but as with all of these things, Turf Moor is, 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 uh, hosts a lot of games for for Vinny and, and the men's team in this moment and um, some of the, the cup games for, for some of the academy teams. So it's, yeah. you know, it, we'll wait and see, eh? Keep his fingers crossed. Well, wish you all the very best. So your next game is against Annick Town Ladies uh, a week on Sunday, 26th of November, back at the county ground. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Bex. It's been it's been a real pleasure. Um, and we'll keep banging that drum and, and hopefully we'll see you at Turf Moor before the end of the season. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much to uh, Rebecca for taking some time to speak to us there. Uh, and don't forget, if you want to see the women's team in action, uh, your next chance is a week on Sunday, November 26th, down at Leyland, uh, when they're taking on Annick Town Ladies in the next round of the Cup. I'm delighted now to say we've got uh, Nathan Norris with us. Uh, Nathan is the food bank manager um, for Burnley FC in the community. Uh, and he's uh, joined us to talk about a really special event that's happening at Turf Moor tomorrow. Um, Nathan, we've got a world record attempt on his hands tomorrow, aren't we? Featuring um, a, a fairly famous TikTok yeah. influencer. And I say that as somebody who actually knows who he is. And I'm not really a TikTok kind of guy. But do you want to just tell us what's going on at Turf Moor on, uh, on yeah. Saturday? Yeah, so we've got um, the world record attempt. Um, so it's quite a big ask. Um, we know that people are, are struggling this time of year. Um, and, and that's why we're, we're, we're sort of doing this as well. Demand through the food bank has, has gone through the roof and it will continue to do that. So tomorrow is going to be absolutely amazing. We've got loads of stuff going on, um, different activities for children. So it's a family day, uh, face painting. We've got other uh, services there as well who can support. So even though it's a food donation event, if there's people who want a bit more information on, on what we do as a charity, um, the food bank, the community grocery stuff that we do down in town. It's an information day as well. Um, but ultimately, it's about getting as much food as possible um, within one day. And, that, and that's kind of where Max came in uh, and suggested this amazing event. Yeah, definitely. Max McCann, who's, um, he, he goes under Maxi, doesn't he? And I think he's, um, he, he does very, very funny cookery videos. He's always knocking stuff over on, on TikTok. Um, but yeah. it's really interesting how you got involved with him because we were just talking off air. He wrote to every football club he, he could think of, which, you know, is a hell of a lot of football clubs. Yeah. And only Burnley FC in the community answered his call. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, we know how, how important Burnley FC in the community is and has been for years. But I guess for you, it's just a, such a great opportunity to link in with somebody who has massive social reach yeah. and can really kind of push an event like this. Yeah, exactly. And, and it wasn't actually, this wasn't the original plan, was to do a, a big family day. So that when Max approached us, he wanted to, so what? So I'll bring it back to what Max normally does down south. He he has his own like spices and, and season pots that you'll see in a lot of his videos. And what he does for every pot sold um, online or in some of his stores down south, he um, he donates a bag of food to charity. Um, and that model works really well. But after talking to Max and really diving into what he does and what we do, we thought it'd be a great opportunity to do something different. 
So one of the ideas that he came up with was the event, um, but he's also created um, a Burnley seasoning. Uh, I don't know if you've oh, seen wow. that on his socials. So not seen that yet. No. Yeah, so it's on his TikTok um, and some of the other social platforms. So it's a classic claret pie mix that he's created. Um, so he's going to use that product. Um, sort of in, in his cooking videos, he wants to approach some of the restaurants in Burnley, put specials on. But what he's doing for us this time, because it's our own season pot, he wants to. Um, he's going to donate thirty eight percent from every pot wow. will go into the food bank. And that's why I, I said about it goes beyond tomorrow. Um, he wants us to be sort of stable financially so that we won't need to rely on donations. Um, and that money coming through through the season pots will then be put towards um, buying food that we currently buy uh, with amazing support from Burnley Council. Um, but we don't want to rely on on funding, that's that's kind of the aim. So Max is thinking of ways that we can that we can just do things a little bit different. And obviously, the season pots are really exciting. Um, the football club has said we'll put them in the club shop, which is which is huge for us. Uh, and they'll go online. Um, we've had quite a, a big support from from JJ um, with, with the event and the, and the season pots. So yeah, it's it's all coming together. So, but a lot different than what we originally had planned. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and like you say, I, I mean, we were discussing this earlier in the podcast, me and Woody. It, it, it's kind of a source for me of, of kind of frustration that a football club has to have a food bank in the 21st century. But um, the amount of people you've helped, and I saw some stats when we were in lockdown and when we were talking about um, school meals and free school meals for children, the amount of people you reach across each Lancashire uh, across East Lancashire, I should say, and the amount of people you help is is huge, isn't it? It it is, yeah. I mean, last last year, if we, we kind of total up all the numbers, we we give enough food out to feed fifty thousand people last year. Which, wow. if you look at the the population of Burnley, that that's a lot of people. Um, and then this year, what we what we are now, when we're more than just a food bank, we've kind of yeah. developed the. We've got an amazing team. Um, we've gone from a food bank to. Um, we're a distribution centre as well. So we, we supply food to all the other food-related food banks, charities within Burnley, Pendle and, um, and Paddyham. Uh, so and at the moment, we're, I think we're up to about, about 5,000 plus parcels this year alone that we've given out. Um, but in terms of distribution numbers, we're, we're doing like 2,500 people a week. So it's a lot. A lot of people need our support, but we, we, we're never in a position to say no. And that's why these donations are so important. Yeah, and I know the supporters club were involved. The, the various supporters clubs were involved with the the donations as well, weren't they? I mean, it's been a real kind of, you know, we talk a lot about the Clarets family, and of course, everything that's happening with with Lyle Foster at the minute and the Clarets family coming round support him. But it must be really heartening for you to to kind of see the amount of support that you know, not just agencies like Burnley Council and people like Max, but the actual wider Burnley Clarets family is also willing to, to kind of muck in, if you will, aren't they? They are. I mean, we, Burnley's such a big football town, as we, as we well know, and, and I think that the badge really gives that driving force behind it and everybody wants to work with the charity. That's that's kind of, over the last sort of few years, we've really developed relationships with, with the wider community um, and, and really... We're right at the forefront with that now, and we, we work closely with a lot of other services. It's not just you no know, Burnley FC in the community; it's it's the wider community as well. So, 
that it's it's pivotal that we we continue to work with the public are just absolutely amazing. Um, Burnley's a time where there's areas of, of deprivation that people do struggle, but the support that we get from everybody in Burnley is just absolutely amazing. I, I can't sort of put it into too many words how proud I am of, of the town and, and sort of the charity that obviously I represent. And yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And just give us a bit of a flavour, no pun intended, uh, of what's going on tomorrow from a foodie point of view. You're going to make everybody really hungry when they're listening to this at lunchtime. But <laughs> but you, there's, a, there's a variety of food stalls and, you know, you mentioned kind of other things that are happening as well as kind of the, the record attempt. What kind of grub can we get our hands on uh, on so Saturday down at the... Ma- Max is doing some cooking demonstrations. Um, so he's, he's really looking forward to that. That was one of the things that I said you've got to do. Uh, so I think he's going to do some live TikTok, some cooking demonstrations. We've we've been given a, a demonstration van by uh, Burnley Leisure, so that obviously a massive thank you to them. We we can do that uh, tomorrow. But then we've got um, we've got an ice cream van uh, there as well. Um, Royd uh, Royd Ices. So they've uh, they've come Excellent. down. They're going to do some bit of cold, but uh, you know everyone's a good ice cream. Everyone loves so, an ice cream, of course we do. Know, don't yeah. Hopefully the sun's out. So and then um, we we've got Chicken Boys. Um, who are based on sort of Hebden Bridgeway. So they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. Fresh chicken burgers, halloumi burgers. Um, they've come on board to support the event, which, again, a massive thank you to them. Um, so, so yeah, so we've got a couple of different things like that. And then off the inside, we've, we've got the face painting. Um, there's different stalls in there. You can get some information. Um, so like we are saying off air, if anyone who comes down who can't donate because they're struggling. They want a little bit more information um, about what we do as a food bank or our partners in our own building that we have now down in the town centre called Downtown um, that has a community grocery. So that basically is um, something to bridge the gap between a food bank and your normal shop. Um, So it's £5 membership a year and then you can shop um, five times a week, £5 shop, and you get 12 items. So that's just to support people who have a little bit of money that can kind of put to. Um, they'll be there as well tomorrow. So if you want to get more information on that, please have a chat with the guys. They're an amazing team. Um, and then we'll have our, our charity staff there as well to to support. And we, we've got Lord with singers. And, yeah, we, we've got obviously everything going on tomorrow. Um, and then me and Max are going down to the Christmas light switch on as well. So um, it's, it's quite exciting. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so a, a, yeah. a big day, a big day. Definitely, definitely. Well, we wish you all the very best. And uh, to be honest, there's nothing else to do during an international break. Let's be honest, England play on Friday. So you've got nothing to do on a Saturday. So you may as well um, go down to Turf Moor. We love going down to Turf Moor, into the fan zone um, yeah. and have a look what's going on. And if you can donate, we know just how much that will mean to uh, to, to people across Burnley and East Lancashire. So, um thank you so much Nathan for coming on and uh, all the very best with it I wish you all the best and perhaps we'll catch up later in the season and, and find out about some of the other activities you, you yeah not a problem no thank you for having me on I appreciate it